started something last week uh, that I want to continue even this week, our study. I don't think we're going to get through it all tonight, and uh, that's, that's fine. We'll use it to finish it up next week. Um, but I want this to kind of be an interactive thing, and, and I can see you know, comments or questions here. I got Tom also watching the back side of it as well. Um, also, just really quick before we get in, in uh, too deep into everything, we have the condiment, the elements of, for communion, our cup of juice and our wafer out front if you've not done so. Um, if we don't have a lot, of, I've seen some people come to get it tonight, uh, but I also, we also will have it out on Friday night uh, between 5 and 6, 6.30, uh, so that you can get back home in time to be a part of Good Friday service at 7 p.m., live on, on Facebook as well. If you need us to deliver it to you, uh, let me know via Facebook, email the church, uh, go to the website, you'll see the email address or the Facebook page will have it. Make sure that we know, we want, I want to make sure that we get everybody that can and wants to be a part of that. Uh, it's going to be something new that we've probably never ever done before, but we want to make sure that we're all serving communion on that night together. Uh, so let us know, please, if we need to deliver it to your house, we can do that and leave it on your front porch if, if that's uh, how you want us to do it. Uh, last week, again, like I talked about, uh, we're in some unprecedented and unusual times. Uh, definitely some weirder days even than the seven days ago when we, we, we talked last week. Um, with that, though, we need to, as the church, remind ourselves on a regular basis. And sometimes, can I tell you, it's been a moment by moment on some situations. Uh, sometimes it's been, uh, it's been kind of to the point of, man, how do I get by in the next minute or two? Um, we just need to remind ourselves that God's providence, God's power, and His love has not changed. Uh, we are still in under the mighty hands of God. COVID-19 doesn't have a chance. Uh, the, this pandemic doesn't have a chance. Uh, can I tell you, if it wasn't COVID-19, it was something else that was always trying to take our attention. Uh, this is just a little bit louder and a little bit bigger. Uh, but can I tell you tonight, as we've, we've spoken many a times from, from the pulpit, many a times in our studies, that we are not to carry the spirit of fear. And um, we are going to continue on this, this path Wednesdays, at least for the next bit, um, to use a plan that I pray will help us keep our focus and our attention on God and His provision and His splendor, uh, His greatness, rather than all the chaos and all the noise that we may be hearing. And I know all the different things that the people have been saying and the news is saying and reporting. But can I tell you, I'll, I'll pay attention to the headlines just so I know what's going around. Around, going on, but can I tell you this is where my focus should be in the Word of God, and that's where I should be focusing my attention and so that I know that I know that I know my God has me in His hands. Um, we were starting a series, God's Plan of Assurance, and last week we talked about Noah and how God had Noah in probably one of the most chaotic uh, life events ever, uh, the flood. And he kept Noah in his hands, remember, and he kept them all together. And why? Because Noah found favor with God. And we need to do that. And we learned also that we need to apply each word that is in the, script, in the scriptures to our life. We can't pick and choose what we want to hear. Remember, we talked about Noah. If he didn't 
follow God's commands and, and, and to a T, maybe there would have been a hole in the ark and they would have sunk or something to that effect. Um, so we've learning, we're learning that, that God has a plan of our assurance. Our theme verse for these studies, again, is Lamentations 3, 22, or excuse me, 22 and 23. And it says, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. And I don't know if you've recognized that in the morning, but I do. Uh, when I get up and, and I think to myself, oh, another day, right? But then all of a sudden I remember that God is faithful and his mercies have begun afresh that morning. And it kind of changes my attitude, right? It changes the way that I look at the day because I know my God has me in his hands. I know my God has me, has my day already laid out for me if I'm willing to follow him. Tonight we want to talk of the part two of this, uh, God's plan of assurance, and I want to talk using the Easter theme, salvation. We can be assured that we are saved by what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross and the empty tomb that is there. Um, but I'm going to switch the script on you. I'm going to have you turn to Psalms 27, and we're going to look at uh, verses 1 through 14 kind of go verse by verse, a couple verses maybe in a, in, a, in a group. But many times God's word comes to us at a point of our need. And I don't know about you, but sometimes you'll be maybe be in a great need and, and you'll be reading a scripture that you've read a million times over only to find that it hits you a little bit different than it normally would. And so we need to know that God's word is going to come to us not just any time, but at the point of our need. We may know a particular truth or a particular scripture, but when God gives it to us in our need, it becomes life and many times remind us of how blessed we are to be saved. Tonight I want you to turn again to Psalms 27. And we're going to start at verse 1. Again, as it's close to Easter, we're going to be celebrating our salvation this week. And can I tell you, it's not just a weekend thing, right? This is something we celebrate 365 days a year. Or a year. A, a, yeah, 365 days a year. I said that wrong on Sunday and I hurt myself. I figured we'd look at a portion of Scripture dealing with salvation, which is the center point of God's plan of assurance. So if you look at verse 1, it says this. Psalms 27, verse 1. It says, The Lord is my light. And my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Kind of fits in with everything we've been talking about. You see, David saw that God was the light of his path. Of the very path that led to salvation. He recognized and saw God as that. You see, we actually cannot know God's light until we know the darkness without it. Every one of us has lived in that darkness before we came to the light. We can only know his strength if we know our weakness. And David was in a time here in this portion of scripture of complete extreme vulnerability. But David saw the goodness and the mercy and the love of God. And fear left him. Finish that scripture. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So 
here's how we could actually stop right now with just that first verse if we took that to heart. You wouldn't have to be worried about COVID. You wouldn't have to be worried about any sickness. You wouldn't have to be worried about or fearful of anything just from this one verse. So see, David got it. And he's sitting here probably in one of the most extreme and fearful moments, who knows, of his life. You see, he was running from Saul's army. He was being chased. And, and his, his life was, was in danger. But what does he say? The Lord is my light and he is my salvation. God's got me. He's got my back. He's going to save me. What have I got to fear? Whom shall I fear? Who's going to take my God out? Nobody. And David knew that. And see, again, David saw the goodness, the mercy, and the love of God. Do you see that? Do you actually recognize that on a daily basis? Because life can get chaotic. Life can get kind of crazy. And we forget this. We forget what David says in the scriptures and how awesome and how powerful and how majestic and merciful and, and how, how much the love of God is. If we do this, fear has to leave. And the first enemy that God defeats is the fear of the enemy. That fear, he just defeats it. He puts us into a, a spirit of power, like Timothy says, and of, and of love and of a sound mind. I'll tell you, if we can get to that point, church, the devil is going to be on the run. He's not going to be able to come at you like he used to. He's not going to be able to use that anxiety, these anxious spirit that, you, that you're so used to. A lot of us have that just because we're comfortable with it. A lot of us have had that spirit with us, and we didn't even know we had it. And we need to change the habits, church. We need to realize how good our God truly is, how powerful our God is. Can I tell you how powerful he is? He beat death. He took death to the cross, died on that cross, and that tomb is empty today because he was that big and that strong. Guess what? He can take care of and handle all of your situations as well. And so the lesson from this verse is simple. Salvation is found in God. Everything that we need to be saved from is in God. It's not in ourselves or our talents or our wisdom. It's not in our, or, our circumstances. It's in God. Go to verse 2, if you would. And it says this. When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Verse 3 says this. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise up against me, in this I will be com confident. It's again, David just saying, no worries. I'm not tripping. I'm not worried about what, what's happening. I'm, I'm focused on my God who has my salvation in his hands and in his heart. David could have written this many a times in his, in his years of life. Especially when he was being chased by Saul's army as he might have been here. But don't forget that shepherd boy had to fight a bear. He killed a bear. He killed a lion. And don't forget about the giant that also sought to destroy and kill him. This, this scripture could have been written at any point of his life. Even before Saul. But see, it, it wasn't just that. Sometimes the Philistines, the Philistines wanted to kill him. Or some other group that wanted to kill him. His life was always under some kind of danger. But David knew salvation was in God. 
Again, just retracting back to one. Verse one. He wasn't tripping. He wasn't scared. He wasn't fearful at all. For he knew where his salvation stood. I love this. The enemy stumbled, the scriptures said. David watched God defeat his enemies time and time and time again. Think back just for a moment. Take a break just for a moment and think, how many times have God defeated your enemies? Whether it be a sickness, whether it be finances, whether it be people. How many times has God stepped in and saved you? See, it's God's salvation. Can I tell you, God is God. And even over any enemy that we come across. Can I tell you, he can frustrate the plans of the wicked who seek our destruction. He loves to just irritate the enemy. Every time the enemy thinks he's got you on the ropes, when we claim these scriptures, when we hold true to what we should know, church, the enemy gets defeated. And God steps in at just the perfect time and says, oh, by the way, that's enough. And he frustrates and he upsets and he irritates the enemy. And the lesson we can take from these two scriptures is don't look at the odds. Right? David says there's an there's a, a, a army that's going to camp and camp around me. When the, when, the, when the chips are against you, guess what? You still, you still be, beat the house, basically, with God. Nothing, nothing, nothing can defeat our God or will defeat our God. And we need to hold true to that. We need to take God at his word and don't look at the odds, but look to God. Amen? If you look at verse 4, we're going to look at David's key. What was the key? How did, he, how did he do this? What was the key to finding the salvation? Verses 4 says this, One thing I have desired of the Lord that will... That will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. One thing I have desired, and that will I seek. David says. David's key and our key to God's house is to be able to say this. One thing I desire. There's only one thing I desire. And that's God. The key to finding God's salvation is to seek him with our whole heart. You see, God wants everything. And I think that's difficult for us sometimes. I really do. I mean, we have a huge... We have a human aspect. There's so many different things going on. I've got to work. I've got kids. I've got a husband. I've got a wife. I've got all these other things that are pulling me and pulling me. And it's difficult to, to give God our whole heart. But truthfully, if we'd sit down for just a moment and be still as he's told us to, we'd find out it's really not that difficult. Because he wants to be a part of every aspect and every intricacy of our life. And so we need to seek him with our whole heart. Not 99.9, but 100%. He needs to be our everything. You see, David said, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. I, the, behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. Look, we, we can't get together in this beautiful sanctuary physically at the moment. But can I tell you, we can still be together in the spirit. And we can still behold the beauty of the Lord amongst our spirit. And, and dwell 
in the house of the Lord. There's four key words that I want you to write down if you're taking notes. Seek, dwell, behold, and inquire. Seek, dwell, behold, and inquire. And too often we, we inquire without seeking, dwelling, or beholding. Now listen to me, don't get mad here. But we want God's answers, but maybe not God himself. You ever stop to think about that when we, we go and we request and we're seeking him out? Maybe we just want the answer that God can give. And maybe we've not thought about, man, I need God himself. He, remember, Jesus is the answer. Answers come after we have fellowshiped with him. And he wants us to want him. That's his desire. He wants to be with us more than we want to be with him. He's, he's calling us all the time. Come hang out. Come hang out. Come hang out. Come dwell with me. So church, that's what we need to do. We need to understand from these scriptures, the lesson out of this scripture is God's presence is a secret, solid place that he's just calling us to dwell into. He just wants to have a relationship so passionately loves us and, and gives us everything we need. And we need to understand that presence and know that it's there. In verse 6, we're going to look at David's promotion. He says this, And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. <laughs> you see, David understood promotion. In Psalm 75, we, we read where he says, promotion comes from God. You see, he, David was, knew exactly what promotion meant. He was promoted from shepherd boy to lion and bear killer to giant killer to the king's music man, to warrior, and then finally to a shepherd king, to the king. And at each step of those promotions, if you read and study David's life, you'll see there was a crisis. There was something that just kind of helped it, you know, kept him from maybe making an easy transition into that promotion. But then there was God's salvation. You know, our life is, our Christian relationship, our Christian life is based basically on maturity. Paul talks about, you know, new Christians drinking the milk and then coming, becoming mature and getting them to the meat of the word. I've always looked at the Christian life as kind of a, a, a school, an elementary type of school thing where we come in as kindergarten and we learn the basics. We get the ABCs, the one, two, threes. And you have to pass certain tests to graduate to the next grade. It's the same thing in the Christian life. We get promoted as we mature. God relies on us more as we mature. And sometimes the enemy knows how, that if he can put something in your way to keep you at bay where you are in your Christian life. Maybe you only get to a certain level. 
And then he just starts hitting you and pounding you. Or he puts some kind of obstacle in your way. And, and you know, it's kind of like working out. You know, you, you start at a certain weight and you start to work out, you start to work out, and then you hit a plateau. And it takes time. You work through that. And finally you break through that plateau. The same thing in the Christian life as we promote it in the Lord. As we mature in the Lord, the enemy is going to try to put up these walls and these hurdles. And we have to learn that God is our salvation and he is calling us to him. And we can get over those hurdles. We can trust God even though we think we can't. We can believe and have faith even though we say we think we can't. Because as you grow, and those of you who served the Lord for many years can attest to this, your faith grows. And so when you begin to say, hey, would you pray for me? It's no problem for you because you know who you're praying to. He hears you and he's going to answer the prayer because of the faith that you have. Our faith grows. David's praise was not just the words of mouth, mouthy words. No, they, they were real. They were joyful. They were excited words. Because he knew that everything that he was and everything that he'd been promoted and every situation that he'd been through in life. And church, I mean everything. From the dog getting out, you know, or the dog making a mess in the, in the house, like happened to us this week. Those slight chaotic situations of life to which happens. Can I tell you, God is still God, and he knows everything that we're going to go through. But David knew that God was the one that was in charge. He knew in his heart of all hearts that the salvation to which he was living and walking in was in God. He was aware that God delivered him from certain destruction. You ever been in a difficult, hard time and, and um, all of a sudden you realize that you know, God gets you through it? I've seen this happen many a times in church where someone will come in and, and for, as a visitor and they're bawling their eyes out on the message and, and you know they're going through a difficult time. They spend a few minutes at the church with you to tell you what's going on and you, you pray with them, you spend time with them, you try to help them. And then all of a sudden, you don't see them again. Because whatever they were going through is fine now. And I tell you, that's not the way we should be at all. Promotion in crisis comes from God. When we go through a difficult time because we're trying to grow in Christ, um, we need to continue to move forward. We need to continue to continue breaking through those obstacles and not let a crisis stop us in our tracks. How many people do we know in our family or in our friends that have served the Lord for a certain amount of time until it got too difficult? Well, God allows tests. God allows crises. He allows difficult situations to teach us to grow and to trust in him more and more each and every day. And I think we're even more so in this day we live now that we need to, we need to learn. We need to learn pretty quick, church. On a daily basis, um, to trust maybe like we've never trusted before, to live by faith like we've never lived by faith before. I truly believe we're in a time where God is calling to his church to promote his church to be what they're supposed to be in this world. I truly believe that with all of my heart. And what better situation and time do we have, church, than this the present moment to step up and say, yeah, the world's chaotic. 
But I know somewhere, I know someone who's got peace, where you can find peace, where you can find restoration, where you can find hope and joy and salvation. I know somewhere. Follow me to it. In verses 7 through 10, it says this, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. You see, David said on several occasions throughout Psalms, I cried unto the Lord. Hear me when I cry. David's prayer was not, again, just word and lip service. His prayer was heartfelt and passionate. I think it uh, sometimes we get kind of just routine-ish in our prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for keeping your hands upon us. Pray for safety tonight as we sleep. Forgive me of my sins. God bless you. Amen. And I mean no disrespect when I say this, but I think our prayers need to be heartfelt each time we close our, close our eyes or each time we pray. You see, his prayer was heartfelt and passionate. When he says, hear me when I cry for mercy, he's crying out to God. God, hear me. I need mercy. The word mercy in this text here means to show kindness to an inferior. You see, he looked up to God knowing that, the only, that only the mercy of God would save him. You ever been there? Friends left you, families forsake you, and you're sitting there by yourself in a situation to which you have no clue how you're going to get through. And it just feels like everybody is against you. The world's against you. Well, David knew exactly how you felt. And he had the key. He had the answer. He knew that the mercy of a loving God was the only thing that could save him. Can I tell you tonight, the mercy of your loving God is right there and is willing to save you. You're not too far on the depths. You're not too far out of reach out of his hand to save you from his saving grace and his, his mercy. And it's important to note, though, that God prompted David to pray. When you said, David says, see, God prompted him. When you said, seek my face, my heart said, your face shall I seek. Are we guilty of maybe not listening to God's prompting? You ever, you ever had the Holy Spirit kind of nail you on the heart and pray for somebody and you're like, I'll catch up with you later on that. I think we need to be sensitive to the Spirit despite what we're doing in a daily grind or whatever it may be and just take a few minutes when the Holy Spirit prompts us, we need to be willing to say, your face shall I seek, Lord. You're my priority, Lord. And when the Holy Spirit prompts us to pray, it would be wise to respond, church. The scriptures say, that we have not because we ask not. And sometimes the Lord will say, hey, I need you to pray for something. I need you to pray for this healing for this person. I need you to pray for this situation. 
We don't know maybe all the details, but when the Holy Spirit prompts us, we need to be willing, church, to say, Lord, what's up? What do you need? What, what is going on? How can I pray? God wants to save us, and he will if we call upon him. And we set our face to seek his face. If we put our priorities right, we put him first, God will save us. Prayer is just not seeking answers. It is seeking God. Remember I said that earlier. And I think we've gotten to a point, some, some, not, not we as in general, but as maybe as a church, we've gotten to where prayer is, I'm just waiting for the answer. God's not a genie. God, is, God is, did not take the part in the Aladdin movie. He is not a genie that gives our, very, our every wish. And when we seek him for answers, when we get together here in a half hour for let, uh, if my people for prayer, we're, we're not looking for God to just wave a magic wand. We're seeking God's face. We're using 2 Chronicles 7.14 as God's people to pray, it says, and seek my face and for, for, ask for forgiveness of your sins and humble yourselves. And that's what we're doing when we get together and pray. And that's what we need to do, church, to find his presence. And when we get into his presence, when we get into his presence, that's where you find his answers. So if you're waiting for God to answer, if, you're, if you've been praying about something, can I tell you tonight, maybe you've been waiting for the wrong thing. Maybe you need to get into the presence of the Lord and let him consume you and let him save you and let him just show you the answers that he has for you. I would also remind us that David was not seeking revenge on his enemies. He was seeking God's presence. And he was allowing God's presence to handle the revenge. Right? So many times when people do us wrong, we want to get revenge. But if we find ourselves in his presence, we find ourselves that God will take care of you. He'll, he'll avenge you. He'll, he'll revenge you. You know, revenge is, is his, saith the Lord. And so in this scripture, verses 7 and 10, the lesson here is to take heartfelt prayer and realize that it touches God. Anything less, anything less church is inadequate. And I'm telling you, the Lord has been on me for prayer so, so much this in 2020 to really change. I've changed. He's changed my prayer habits. He's changed my prayer life. Um, I probably pray. If you see me walking down the street, there's one or two things. I'm either praying. If you see my lips move or I'm talking to somebody on my AirPod. Um, because I have constantly found myself praying and just seeking the Lord out for guidance and direction. But we need to have heartfelt prayer. We need to have that moment with God and say, Lord, I need to be in your presence. I need an answer, Lord, but I know I need you. I need you, Lord, in your presence to find this answer. We're going to break here and we'll catch up with the remainder of the verses next week. But we're going to close in prayer, and I pray this has been a blessing to you. If you want the notes from this study, let me know. And um, do we have any comments or anything, Tom? Let me see. Briefly. What are they? I don't got anything. Tom's going to show me what was said. Sorry, I'll see it on my phone. Thanks. Okay. Um, 
So we're going to go to the prayer, the closing prayer this evening. Briefly, just to let you know, we are going to meet at 8 o'clock back on live for If My People. We are doing that on Wednesdays and Sunday nights at the moment. We'll see how the Lord leads with that. Um, also, if you've not come and got your elements for communion, be sure and, and come by and do that. If you, And then we also have a box for the kids that uh, Mrs. Karen set up for them for Sunday morning as well. Those items will be out here on Friday night about 5 o'clock um, until probably 6.30 we'll bring them inside. So please, I pray you get a chance to, to do it. If you do need us to deliver them, let us know and we'll make sure we get you guys, get you guys what you need. Um, remember in, um, Presley this morning or this evening, uh, she's dealing with some, a difficult little wound on her face. So we'll be praying for her tonight. And um, any and all of our church, I miss every one of you guys. And, and I can't wait till this is really all over so we can uh, kind of get back to whatever normal is going to be after that. But can I tell you, um, God's got the right time. He's got the right way. And we're going to trust him through this whole situation. Amen. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you, Father, for this opportunity to come together to study your word, to get in depth and apply it to our lives and apply it to our hearts. Lord, we bring Presley to you tonight, God, that you would just bring healing to that wound on her face, Father. God, just be with her and strengthen her tonight. Lord, give her peace. Hold her in your arms tonight. We pray for Christy, Lord, as you give her peace and the family, Lord, and Tom. God, let them know that everything is okay, Lord. She's in your hands. And just bring healing to it. Even as we speak right now, in the name of Jesus, touch that wound and bring healing. I pray for each, each one, each family member that's joined here tonight. Each one, Father God, that we've not spoken to or, or they're seen maybe in the last three weeks. God, be with them in their homes. Lord, keep them safe. Keep them healthy. And Father, just have your way in all of the situation. We will trust you. We pray, Lord God, our prayer life will become more real and more in tune with you and will forever give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. With that being said, church, we'll see you next week or Friday night. Make sure you check in. Uh, but make sure you check in at 8 o'clock tonight for prayer. God bless.